So continuing the theme of gladness and welcome, of, of singing and song, we are going to have as our scripture today another psalm. Last week we listened to Psalm 122, and today we go back a few pages and hear the psalm uh, number 20. Listen now to the word of our Lord. The Lord answer you in the time and the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all of your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire. Fulfill all of your plans. May we shout for joy over your victory and in the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all of your petitions. Now I know that the Lord will help his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with mighty victories by his right hand. Some take pride in chariots and some in horses, but our pride is in the name of the Lord. They will collapse and fall, but we shall rise and stand upright. Give victory to the King, O Lord. Answer us when we call. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I suppose that uh, I'm going to say something perhaps not so sermonic to begin this today, and just to say, it's my turn. (laughs) It's my turn to share and say how glad I am to see all of these faces, to stand here and see the twinkle in your eye or the smile on your face and to be together. It's my turn to repeat the sounding joy of what it is that we share here. And speaking of repeating, it's it's remarkable to me, both last week and this week, how there's such resonance between what the children's sermon pastor says and what the preaching pastor says. The Holy Spirit is at work. And I must say that it's hard for me. I'm sitting here and I'm standing here, and really it might get awkward because I just want to stare at you. (laughs) Seeing each of your faces makes me feel like a five-year-old at Christmas, and each of you is like a present under the tree. And I know it's true for you as well. We have many gifts to share here in this sanctuary. I'm going to run through the senses. This place, you know it, it has a smell, right? It's, and it's not, not quite the new car smell, but it's a positive one. Like if I took you somewhere, closed your eyes, and had the air of this sanctuary and had you soak it in, you would know. You would say, I'm at Westminster. And I hope that would make you feel glad. This place has a wonderful sound. The sound of shared hellos, of unison prayers, commonly held affirmations, and the music of song. With some of us making harmony on purpose and some of us making it by accident. 
<laughs> looking, I'm just looking in this direction. I don't know. <laughs> this place offers us the gift and the wonder of touch, of handshakes, of hymnals held high, and the tastes of the goodness of the Lord where the gifts of God are shared for the people of God at this table. To pick up the scriptural refrain from last week, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I hope and I believe that you are glad too. Glad to be in sanctuary with one another in this holy time and this sacred space where we share communion with each other and with God. Last week, Larry talked about how he knew from the beginning of the pandemic which text he would preach when it was his turn in the pulpit with more of us here together. I will say that I picked this psalm a whopping two weeks ago, and that's being generous. But to quote Jerry Maguire, when I saw it, I knew it was the one for us. It had me at hello. Psalm 20 is a text of blessing and encouragement. It is a text of faith and trust. It is the wisdom of knowledge and pride in what deeply matters beneath the glimmers of surface-level concerns and attractions. I knew in reading this psalm that I wanted to stand before you in this pulpit, in this place, with no mask muffling my words, and to offer you its benediction, to say to you, the Lord answer you in your day of trouble, the name of God protect you. I wanted to say to you, may God grant you your heart's desire, fulfill your plans and all of your petitions. I couldn't wait to say, may we shout for joy over your victory, and in the name of our God, set up our banners, for our pride is in the name of the Lord, and whereas others may stumble and fall, we shall rise and stand upright. I hope you feel as good in hearing those words as I do in saying them. But in today's sermon, I hope you will come to find joy in saying these words as much as in hearing them. That's the, the twist of Psalm 20. Most times, Scripture presents us with a, a way of seeing and understanding the world and God that up, overturns, upends our expectations and our assumptions. Jesus taught in parables where the size, the, the mustard seed, seed, the smallest seed becomes the greatest shrub. So therefore, if you have the smallest faith, even you can move mountains. Scripture, the word of God, it overturns our expectations. It shifts us. And so when I first read Psalm 20, I assumed that these words were what the people of God heard in the sanctuary. But in the text's original context, they're what the people of God said. If these words were printed on bulletins, they would have been the bolded words of the people, not the prompting words of the pastor. 
This is what scholars call a royal psalm because it was spoken by the people for the king, ostensibly King David, as he prepared to go into battle. It was the people's way of saying, may God be with you so that God may be with us. The people faithfully and beseechingly offered these blessings to the king because they knew that their welfare was deeply intertwined with his. His success would be their victory. His failure would be their defeat. They wanted the very best for that king because they wanted the best for themselves. They feared the worst for that king because they feared it for themselves too. And so they said to the king, may God send you help from the sanctuary. From it. Circle those words in your mind. We are here to bless others from the sanctuary. There's a lot of sanctuary talk today. Because as we come back to this place, it's time for us to revisit and reconsider what it means to be here. And Psalm 20 invites us to modify, or actually I would say amplify, our understanding of sanctuary. To see it as a sacred time and space, not only to receive God's blessing, to get the help and wisdom and stature that we need, but also to extend it to those whose welfare determines our own. In the early passages of the Bible in Genesis, the biblical patriarch Abraham, and with him his wife Sarah, received a promise from God that their descendants would be as numerous as the stars. And God said to him, I will bless you so that you may be a blessing. From this, we have understood our role as the people of God to be the ones who are blessed so that we may be a blessing. And while that is very much true, Psalm 20 invites us to kind of shift the order of that such that instead of being blessed to be a blessing, we are called to be a blessing so that we might be blessed. I know that I am guilty of wordplay here, but as your associate pastor for mission and pastoral care, as one whose ministry with you plays with the connection between our care for each other here and our care for the world out there, I believe that this shift, this reordering, is worth noting, perhaps leaning into and living into. Sometimes I've heard us talk about worship and sanctuary and faith and being here as a kind of filling of our spiritual gas tanks so that we might have the energy and the strength to carry on with life and, and more positively, positively, to help others to take them, transport them where they need to go, or to take to them the nourishment that they need or expect. So we pull into the pews, 
we twist open the caps of our lives so that in them may be filled the benedictions and the blessings that keep us on the road for ourselves and for others. And this makes sense. We can only offer a drink to others from a filled cup. Our tanks need gas if we are to go anywhere or take anyone with us. Psalm 20 does not overthrow this wisdom, but it can guard us from the distortion that can emerge. When our emphasis on obtaining nourishment first for ourselves can lead to a me-first kind of spirituality in which the salvation of others is dependent on our first being saved, or the service of others emerges primarily through our being first served. What did Jesus say? I came not to be served, but to serve. In this royal psalm, the worshiping people of Israel understood that to be blessed They must be the ones doing the blessing. To experience God's salvation for themselves, they needed to seek that salvation for the king. Now, we don't have an earthly king. And in Christ, our heavenly one, our salvation is truly fixed in God's hands alone, without any ability on our part to constrain, order, or inhibit it. This is a key emphasis of our Reformed faith, that our salvation is in God's hands alone. It is by grace that we are saved. But nonetheless, this psalm calls us to enthrone the welfare of others, to see their welfare as very much tied to our own. And this reification can lead us away from a me-first faith. It reorients our lives in worship such that we bless to find our blessing, that we come here to send forth God's help, not only to seek it. Remember the prayer attributed to St. Francis, for it is in giving that we receive. Now I need to pause and insert a bit of caution that All that I'm saying and all of this emphasis on giving before we receive is not a prescription for self-negation. We know all too well the times and instances when the well-being of the powers and principalities of the world becomes a curse for those beneath them. King David's pursuit for his own well-being did great harm to Bathsheba and to Uriah. And we also know how the command to offer yourself to others can be used to justify the exploitation of one person or people by the other. I simply want us to use this psalm to remind us why we are here, why you come back or come here for the first time to be in this sanctuary. Our purpose here lies beyond the enjoyment of the sights, smells, sounds, tastes, and touches of this gathering. We are here to seek God's blessing for others, and in that action of blessing to find ourselves blessed. Such that worship can be, yes, filling the tank, but also pouring out the love 
the hope and the faith that can be part of God's help and work in saving the world. How can we send that help if we aren't here to send it? Unless our being here in the sanctuary is part of God's work granting sanctuary to others, then this is not our sanctuary. It is our hiding place. Or worse, it is our battle station where we contribute to and not heal the wounds of this world. But I know that we are not hiding and we are not doing battle here because we feel glad. The feeling of gladness that you have in seeing these faces and being here tells us that we are not hiding when we are here. We are not doing battle. We are sending salvation. We are offering ourselves to the hurts of the world. We are mindful today that there, that as many of us that are here, there are still many more out there. We think of those in our community of faith who are not able or are not ready to sit in pews or sing hymns or shake hands or give and receive a hug. And there are also those outside of our community of faith who may never sing one of our hymns or even know that such an option exists. Psalm 20 invites us to invites us who are present to seek the blessing of those who are absent so that when we sing we sing for them as much as we sing for us if not more. Those of us in here hold the cares and concerns of those out there. And by virtue of holding their cares and their current concerns, they are here with us. Those watching at home virtually are not just consuming worship like one binging shows on a streaming platform. They are embodying how sanctuary is not a fixed concept. It shows that help can stream from the sanctuary in many forms and in many directions. We who have come to this sanctuary are those who come from it. Our cares and our concerns are swept up, joined with God's concern for all people. Our shared songs and affirmations sound in the world and signal its blessing. One of the innovations, as Larry alluded during the children's sermon, of our worship in a time of pandemic is the sound of our, our bells pealing in the, the steeple. They're not actually bells, but they sound like it. <laughs> we who are in here don't actually hear them. But they echo the worship and the faith in here and send it out into the neighborhood. We say to the world, what happens here, unlike Vegas, doesn't stay here. I've seen some churches where um, when you leave the sanctuary or leave the church building, there's a sign on the top that says, you are now entering the mission field. As in, now it's time to go out into the, the place of harvest where we do God's work in the world. And that's true. 
But it's also true that this sanctuary here, this is the mission field. This is where it happens. Because here we are in mission for those seated near us and those situated far away. Here we are in mission for the hungry and the full, the oppressed and the oppressor. Here we offer help from the sanctuary. And from here we go places. We go to a local resident's house to make it safer, more livable through rebuilding together Alexandria and D.C. We go and deliver food through Meals on Wheels. We get up early on a hot summer Saturday and drive to the cornfields to glean for local Virginia food banks. These are all options that you may sign up for in your weekly egram. Sorry for the plug, but I am your mission pastor, so I'm telling you that the mission is here and it goes. It's why we come here to the sanctuary to send our blessings, to be moved and be part of God's movement. Here we come and here we go. About 11 or so of you saw my weekly devotional last Thursday. One of them was my mom, so it's 10. But I talked about how during the work week, I often come to the sanctuary to take a walk. And I've actually, with some maybe some fuzzy math um, and, and internet facts, uh, I have determined that it takes me 25 laps around the nave, which is the central section here, 25 times around to go one mile. I've done it. I've walked miles in this place. So have you. So can you. As those gathered here, we are the proclaimers who say to the world, I would walk 500 miles, I would walk 500 more so that I may be the man or the woman, the boy or the girl who may send help from the sanctuary. Jesus said, come to me. And so we come. We gather Remembering how he gathered the disciples together to bless them, saying, I have said these things to you so that your joy may be made complete. The Israelites, they too, they gathered so that they may extend the blessings of Psalm 20, so that the king's joy may be complete, so that God's joy then would find its completion in them. And so I want to close this sermon today by inviting you to participate in that blessing, to join with the ancient Israelites in enthroning the welfare of others, of our brothers and sisters, blessing them so that they may be blessed. So to those of you gathered here, I want you to repeat after me. And if you are listening at home, you may receive our words as blessing to you. Or you may say them with us and offer your blessing to the world. Here we go. The Lord answer you in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob protect you. May God grant you your heart's desire. 
and fulfill all of your plans. May we shout for joy over your victory. And in the name of our God, set up our banners. Others will collapse and fall. But we shall rise and stand upright. We shall rise and stand upright. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.